What's up? Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. Ronan, my man, it's good to see you. How are you? Very good. Very good. It's uh, another, it's been another fun week of NBA basketball and the scoring runs of teams just keeps going, getting crazier and crazier by the day. And uh, it's still a bit boring given that I wanted, just wanted to be playoffs now, but I mean, the way the I'm ready for going it, yeah. down, the way scoring's going down, I mean, it's uh, a lot of entertainment for March. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, I don't think it's the Ides of March, is it? Ides of March was last week. Hmm. Something like that. But it was St. Paddy's Day yesterday. Do you do anything with St. Paddy's Day? Yeah, just what you usually do. You go out, go out, get, go out and get drunk. That's about. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's one thing that Americans have gotten right. I, I was shocked though to hear that corned beef is not actually a thing in Ireland when it comes to St. Paddy's Day. I'll tell you one thing. I ate corned beef yesterday. <laughs> you ate corned beef? Okay. <laughs> All right. I've 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 been remiss to be educated that. Corned beef is not a Irish tradition, and that's been been really thrown in my face here. But okay, at least one I know that at least one person in Ireland was eating corned beef yesterday. Maybe maybe that's the the American in you. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> I, I do know that Americans all we do is just uh, yeah, all we do is drink that day. That's how we commemorate most holidays. But um, yeah, scoring. We should talk basketball here, shall we? It's a basketball podcast. But man, let, let's let's talk first about the most recent scoring barrage from none other than Sadiq Bay with Cade Cunningham watching from the sideline in Orlando. And let, let's, let's be honest here, Orlando, are they a bad team? Yeah, they're a bad team. They're a very bad team, but they're actually, they have some of the best defensive lineups in basketball. Straight up, like over the course of a game, it's not great, great product, but they're not a bad defensive team. And Sadiq Bay just went crazy. And I am not sure a lot of people texting me, hitting me up, like, is he actually good? And I don't know how to answer that. So I'll let you go first. Were you surprised that he dropped that much? And maybe everyone was surprised, but I, it was an impressive showing nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta respect it. I mean, I guess it's just a thing against Orlando now after Kyrie dropped his 60 bomb against them earlier in the week. Uh, then, then Sadiq Bey goes off on them again. I mean, it all works out for the Magic. They're in a battle with the uh, with the Pistons to have the the worst record <laughs> yeah. in the East, and they they a they, great take win. <laughs> there, you know, they 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 played it smart. They let Sadiq do his thing. Maybe well, maybe this is this would be the highest that uh, Sadiq Bay gets in his career. But it was it was an impressive performance. I'm not gonna lie, I, I was surprised. As much as Sadiq Bay's got talent, I didn't see him going off like this. Yeah, I think you know he's such a good shooter. At this point, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Um, and, you know, shooters are going to get hot. The, the way that the Pistons are really moving the ball that night, you know, he had his night. And that's and that's not crazy to me. I think that's why I wasn't super surprised to see it, because he does have talent as a shooter. Now, off the dribble, he's never going to do that. But, I mean, he was just lights out from three. It was game over from there. But the I think the more impressive scoring – Oh, that's actually a question I'll ask you. What do you think was more impressive? Cat, Sadiq, or Kyrie this week in terms of scoring? All of them were. So for Sadiq, like a crazy night of, of shooting. And then Kyrie, just to see what he does, like with the defense all over him, the difficulty of his shots and to shoot as efficiently as he did. And then Cat, just watching a seven-footer just go ballistic from everywhere. Like it was... 
I, I don't I don't know which one to pick. I, I'd probably lean towards Towns just because just the the way he did it and the the variety of scoring. I, I almost leave Kyrie out of it just because I, I almost expect him to be able to do this. I just think that's how good Kyrie Irving is and dropping a dropping a sixty bomb is no is no is no lean feat, but he'd be the one out of the three that I would have expected this to be able to do this at, at all of them. I think Cat was the one, I think, that really just exploded. That 32-point third quarter, man, it was just – it was it was awesome. Against against that Spurs team, as much as they're not having a great year, you know, anytime you go up against a Greg Popovich coach team and you can put up numbers like that, you know you've had a hell of a night. Yeah, all the Jakob Pertl nerds out there are pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Jakob Pertl, he himself is a great rim protector. Just, I think, is a case in point why Cat is so dangerous. Because, I mean, Pertl's no joke. He's a very good defender. He's a very good interior defender. But what Cat brings with his ball handling and his pure skill, his ability to have a quick first step and to just, his, his release, if you don't, if you're not paying attention, you don't have a hand up, he's shooting over you immediately. Like, he has probably one of the quickest releases in the league, which is crazy for a set shot seven footer guy. And then for him to like play in the triple threat position and just be able to blow by guy, like it's impossible for a guy like Pirtle to defend him like that. And this is what's crazy to me, Ronan. Like he has a night like this when I think he should have like at least four or five nights like this a season, if not more. Mm-hmm. There are games where he'll get like 12 shots a game, nine shots a game, 10 shots a game. And Edwards is just naturally the more aggressive guy. Gilo is also going to hunt for a shot. And I think Kat's, Kat's a team player. He's a team first kind of guy. But if you empower him, look what he did. Like he did serious damage again. Yeah, it's a Spurs. But for the three elite three-point shooter that he is, for the elite ball handler that he is, for the skill he has at his size, I wish we could see this a little more often. Yeah, 100%. I think that's got to be the next – you want to say it's going to be the next step for Cap, but at the same time, he's playing a team with a growing star like Anthony Edwards. So it's kind of going yeah. to be hard for him almost to take that extra step and start doing that on a, on a more consistent basis. But yeah, you, you definitely think that a night like this is it's taken a while for Cap, Cap to get there, but it's definitely a, definitely a, a marker that he's set now and he's shown that he can do it. He's, he's, openly come out and said he wants to be remembered as the greatest big man shooter ever okay go go make it happen go make it happen i think he will yeah because he he does have he does have that that unbelievable talent and i don't know i mean irving and cat doing that in back-to-back nights those 60 points first time it was done since wilt i think did it in back-to-back games way way back in the day that's just it's it was a lot of wilt wilt records being uh matched and broken this season huh Man, they're trying, they're trying to do, trying to do something. It's, it's not surprising that it took this long. They, the, the crazy things that, uh, all the crazy things that he used to do. But there's something going on in March. I mean, eight of the twelve top scores this season in the NBA have occurred in March. So, mm. guys, wow. guys are really are really kicking off. I mean, we've had Irving and Cap the sixty point games. Now we have Sadiq Bay. LeBron's had his two fifty games. They're the only games the Lakers have won since the All Star break, which is just sad. Uh, KD with his fifty-three point game, Kyrie's other fifty-point game, Tatum's fifty-four. It's just, it's, it's been unbelievable. Here's a real or not real question: um, 
the defense we saw in the beginning of the season was, I think, largely a product of a change in officiating where, number one, they weren't going to allow people to just pull up right off of screens and get fouled on that on that kind of fake shooting motion. And they were going to allow, not hand checking, but they were definitely going to allow more, more contact um, on drives to the rim. And that's like in the beginning, like few months, especially with, um, you know, watching the Bulls, you see Lonzo and Crusoe, you see perimeter defenders have a much easier time um, containing guys with the amount of contact they're allowing. And you got this sense at the beginning of the season, defense is back. Has that receded since the beginning of the season? Has that changed? Have Or have scores adjusted to it? Or have refs backed off a little bit? Is, is this a product of the refs or is this a product of the scorers? Because um, you just got a sense that in the beginning of the year, shooting percentages were down across the league. Free throw attempt rates were down across the league. And you had a little bit more of a gritty product. But now it seems like it's back to the elite scoring. So is that skill? Is that refs? Maybe it's both? It's, it's probably a mix of both. I'd probably lean towards saying it's the scorers just because, I mean, you think of two of the teams that have had the best uh, record since since uh, since the new year are the Celtics and the Mavericks, and they've built that off of improved defense. Yeah. So you kind True. of lean towards probably, there's probably a combination of things, but you kind of lean towards that maybe it's scorers adjusting to, to the new ways that, that, that the game's being officiated. And it's kind of weird. You, you see, I sometimes notice watching games, I feel like early in games, refs let a lot more go than late in games. I think late in games, the likes of Harden and those kind of wily guys can still get those fouls that they were getting, that they weren't getting at the start of the season because of the new the new rules that the refs, the refs were trying to bring in. So there's definitely definitely an element of, of, uh, of both sides there. Yeah, officiating Harden is, is so hard because it's like, and and Embiid, because the way they're able to contort their bodies and predict uh, slap downs and predict where the defender is going to move or try and get the ball, like it's inevitable that they're going to get fouled so much. And it's such a clunky product to see them like combine for like 50 free throws a game, but just for scores, like it's, it's just unstoppable. So it almost feels like in the first half, it's like, all right, we can't, we can't let them get to like 70 free throws this game. But near the end, it's like, all right, you have to, you have to eventually call it. But with, uh, with these performances, they weren't, they weren't delivered on the backs of free throw attempts um, for Kyrie in particular. I mean, what's there to say about performances like that? It's, it's just, it's art. If you haven't seen it, I mean, I don't know what you're doing. If you're listening to this podcast and you're an NBA fan, you gotta, you have to see performances like that from Kyrie. Cause I think, he's got to be one of the most skilled, if not the most skilled scorer in history. I mean, I mean that in like shot creation, the ability to dribble through defenders, the ability to keep a live handle, to keep it on a string and to just pull up from anywhere and to take layups at any angle and to keep his feet in the perfect position to rise up from anywhere. It's, it's insane. And it just put on an absolute clinic and the Nets are only going to go as far as he plays, and that's all dependent on, you know, the politics of New York. But man, just just performance like that, you got to respect it. You just gotta 
It's not yeah. nothing to be said. It's amazing. Just, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it and all, and just be. Just that's why. That's why we want. That's why we want Kyrie on the floor. That's why we want him showing up to work. I mean, all I'll say is on that is if he's allowed to sit courtside, he should be allowed to play. That's 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 all I'll say on that. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't think you you told me that. Were, were you surprised when Sadiq scored? Are you? Do you give him the credit for that? Are you just saying it's a fluky, fluky shot? You didn't, you didn't own up to that. Uh, I, I, I'm saying uh, yeah, there's a bit of fluke in that. Come on, there's a bit of fluke in that. If Kevin Cunningham's know, so... on the court, I don't think I don't think Sadiq <laughs> Bay is going off like that. But respect to him for doing it. He he had to take up the mantle. He had to make up for the scoring that Cade wasn't there to provide, and he, and he did it in a in a really impressive way. Fine, that's fair. Um, can we talk, Tom? How do, how do you feel? Tom Thibodeau, apparently reports coming out that he is going to stay through next season. And my first question is, why is that coming out now? It's, it's weird timing that that promise seems to be given now, if it's true. I mean, I take it for, I mean, it's good sources that are putting that out there. So I'm going to trust that. But it's weird timing. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a strange one. It's I guess it's probably an element there that the Knicks already see this season as being finished, and they're they're making that 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 comment like their their off season has already begun. That that's that's kind of what I saw when I saw them actually come out and uh, and and make that statement. It's that's precisely probably, why it's the worst timing. It's the Knicks. Come on, want them to do things correctly? Are you crazy? Man, I just. I think that you have too much talent on that team to, to be making that determination now. And there's a lot of reasons that things have gone wrong in New York, as you know, besides Tom Thibodeau and just him, but to be making promises to anyone on that team right now is it's absurd. It's unprofessional. It's ridiculous. That's that's New York basketball, baby. If if you were to do it now, if you were to do it now, who would you, who would you want to, if you had to shop, if you fired Tom Thibodeau today, who would you want to bring on to, or if you have anyone in mind to lead the Knicks and to figure something out and have a, maybe a new voice there? I mean, if we had a real option of anyone, I mean, you look at what um, Finch is doing in the Timberwolves, he'd be, it'd be that type of mold that I, I, I'd like to see in New York. Uh, that that he's he's a guy that's come in and he's working with a lot of young players. He's developing them and getting them to play a certain style and a certain system that doesn't seem to be just making them blow out. That's that's kind of the Tom Thibodeau method. I mean, get get you know who you like and you get absolutely every ounce you can out of them. That that'd probably be that'd probably be kind of the the mold of coach that I'd be looking at. Obviously, I don't think we'd be able to get Finch to. He, he's he's only at the beginning of, of his uh, of his project in Minnesota, but that'd be the mold of coach that that I think the Knicks will be looking at and should be looking at. It's probably fair that that Thibodeau gets another year. Why? Like he was coach of the year last year. He's got he's got great experience, but it's only going to go one of two ways. Either this is going to blow up in a hot mess. Or they're gonna get back to what they were at last season. Those those are the only two options. It's not gonna be kind of okay or kind of bad. It's either gonna be back to a similar sort of level to last year, 
or a complete another blowout miss? I feel like, you know, there are definitely a lot of situations out there where head coaches end up being scapegoats for overall organizational dysfunction and lack of player production. And case in point, trailblazers. What's Terry's thoughts up to right now? Um, but in this case, it feels like the identity of the team has dissolved. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole point of Tom Thibodeau is the identity of the New York Knicks was Thibodeau ball. And Randall embodied that in a lot of ways in terms of his, his grit and personality. But I don't know, it, it's, it's so important to make the most of the young players you have there and the small window you have to develop guys before, you know, things move on. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so, that's so important. That's huge. And you mentioned the exact guy that I think of in terms of the, the mold, like getting Chris Finch in there to, to lead the Timberwolves and to figure things out stylistically for that team and how they wanted to play. That was huge. Huge for Edwards, huge for Cat, huge for Delo, huge for them to to figure that out. And that's you can't miss out on that. It doesn't matter what he did last year. It's always I feel like it's always year to year. Yeah, I mean, no, Dave Yeager. Okay. What about a Dave Yeager? Does I don't I don't think Lloyd Pierce. I mean I don't know if I like Lloyd Pierce in that role necessarily, but I don't know a guy, guy like Dave Yeager. I, I think of um, I don't know what he's up to, but. It's it's crazy that that's a promise that's coming to fruition, and they need they need to develop those young guys. Point blank, period. Yeah, big time. And they just need to have a have a good off season as well in terms of players that they they sign. I mean, last season we gave up a lot of good defensive players and brought back in a lot of bad defensive players. That that was ultimately kind of the way the way the way that it went. And uh, this year, these actually. They can't just make signings because they sound good or they or they might be okay. They have to actually make signings that will benefit this team. That's what they have. To, that's what it need. That's what it needs to be. It can't. It can't be another man. It can't be like last year. Don't get me wrong. When it, when I first kind of saw the signings, I was like, okay, this 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 could be something. This could be there could be something with this, but it's just turned out to be a complete and total mess. And they they cannot afford to have that happen again. Yeah. Think about it this way. Say the Knicks finally they get lucky they get the number one pick you get whoever you want in this draft some good names out there so you get a <laughs> that how funny would that be if you guys got chet holmgren he would be like the the he'd be the the porzingis reclamation project <laughs> you see a stat line last night insane oh man serious there's, uh, there's a lot there's a lot of talent there let's hope it doesn't end up like uh, like porzingis but you get a guy like that. Do you really want Tom Thibodeau there? Is is that the guy you want to to raise up? A young rookie, a young blue chip rookie like that. And nobody say Derrick Rose because that that was all Derrick Rose. That and Thibodeau ran him into the ground, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That. That's. That's why I was saying it's a long. It's a long shot that we're even a. Or even a, a top five at the moment, given the the teams that are below us. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting one. It'll be interesting to see the way it goes this this off season. It could go could go a lot of a lot of different ways. It's yeah. Bottom line, just a weird time for New York to come out and make make it make comments like that and make it 
a fact, but it's not surprising. Yeah. All right. Well, can we? <laughs> this is our Friday therapy session then, because I got to talk a little bulls real quick. And you, you tell me, you tell me. I, I think I've really pushed back on the narrative for the first for the first like three quarters of the year, I pushed back on the narrative that the Bulls would not beat good teams because in all honesty, you know, we had a lot of issues in terms of health, like getting all our guys on the floor. But I think I'm starting to, I'm starting to see that the writing's on the wall, that maybe this isn't, I don't know, maybe this isn't really a deep playoff team if this is how they perform. I mean, what do you, what do you as the as the objective uh, objective I see here? Yeah, it, it it's kind of coming to that. I mean, obviously you guys had had the injuries, and since what are you guys now you have four, 41 and twenty eight. You're sitting fifth in the in the East. You were level with first going into the All Star break, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you're gone. You've gone three and seven over your last ten games. You've lost games to the Hawks. Lost games to the Kings. You've had double-digit defeats to Miami, Philadelphia, Memphis, Jazz. And now you're only two games above the playing. Yep. It's it's been a it's been a slide of I don't know if it's them just taking their foot off the gas, the Rosen maybe sl- slowing down a bit. Maybe it's just a, a bit of growing pains. I mean this is this is still the first year of this team. So it's kind of it, it was obviously a great start, but I think everything that was going so well isn't quite going to that same well level. And it's I think it's looking worse than it is, but the fact that you guys are only two games above the playing and your next five are the Suns, the Raptors, the Bucks, the Pelicans who are chasing a play in place themselves and the Cavaliers. So it, it's very likely that, that the Bulls could end up falling into the playing. The way things I don't are, know about that. I don't think we're gonna fall because I think the Raptor. We're in charge of our own destiny here too, and I, and I think I'm not as worried about the plan as I'm worried about um, longevity of the season. And I mean, I'll I'll tell you what it is. I mean, it, it is it is a couple of things that you mentioned. And DeRozan slowing down isn't a fault of his own. I mean, he was on one of the hottest streaks I've ever seen in my life. Like he was he wasn't gonna shoot. 60% from 18 feet on, on fadeaway mid rangers, like all season long, like that was insane. And that had to cool down eventually. But what had to come up from that was Kobe shooting better from three was, you know, Caruso coming back and providing that defense and Levine stepping in and, and shooting like he should from three and, and he hasn't. And I'm going to talk about health as much as I can to save his honor here. But, you know, at a certain point, like the shot selection has to go back to what it was when you had Lonzo and Cruz on the floor, when you had smart playmakers on the floor. Like the shot selection in the first few months of the year of the season were perfect. Like everything was a well-oiled machine and you saw that, you know, that there was a purpose. But at times it's definitely me, you ball now again. And that has to change before the, before the, <laughs> I almost said the off season, Freudian slip there, but for the postseason, like something has to change to get things working. Vooch has to shoot better than 
31% from three. I mean, for everything to work, he needs to be a pick and pop guy. And he can't do that shooting 30%, 31% from three. And when you're relying on IO to make crazy plays, your rookie to make crazy plays and Cody to make crazy plays, they're not going to do it every, every night. It needs to be more consistent from the starters and more consistent effort on defense. And I think the, the defense part for me is a little interesting because a lot of how good they're viewed as a defense is what happened in the first, uh, first 20, 30 games or so when they were absolute demons on and takeaways leading the league and, and fast break um, opportunities and steals or top five in any category in, in defense besides blocks. I mean, they, they were just robbing teams, but I think one thing I, I felt like at that time was teams can't do that forever, you know, and you can't do that in the playoffs either. Like eventually that's going to slow down. So it's, it's a bit concerning to me that I think part of my view of this team could be from a, a period of time where they just had some unsustainable runs of, of crazy defense and offense predicated on takeaways like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. But, I mean, at the same time, that's kind of a similar case to all teams that not, like they get on hot streaks on both the defensive end and they have certain guys just going off on offense, but they – they fall back in and they still play the system. It might not be as devastating as it was over a short period, but they'll still consistently be able to do that. And is this kind of an element of the fact that this Bulls team still haven't fully figured out the system that they want they want to play? Or is it just a, a question of injuries and some of the guys not, not doing what they, sh- what they should? I mean, you think Tuck Vooch, I mean, Absolute minimum, he should be at Embiid, Jokic level in terms of three-point shooting. That, that's a minimum, I think, for him. Oh, a- absolutely. And it's crazy that he's having a career. Uh, this is his worst year shooting the three since I, I want to say it was his, either his rookie or sophomore year. But ever since he's really established himself there, he's never shot this poorly. Hmm. I mean, how much – I mean, so much of that has to be mental because he's still getting really clean looks. And it's been one of those seasons where you just, you're just waiting for him to break through that. And it just hasn't happened. And it's just one of those things in sports where like regression can happen at weird times. You know, when did, when did you expect Russell Westbrook shooting to like fall off a cliff? Like he's never a great shooter. Maybe that's a poor example, but like just for that to fall off a cliff like that. And I don't know that the help's not coming from there. I'm, I'm not expecting Vooch to come into the postseason, all of a sudden he's going to become a 40% three-point shooter. I'm not expecting Levine to all of a sudden magically his knee gets better. I'm not expecting DeRozan to all of a sudden jump back into his wilt mode and start shooting like 80% from the field again or something. I'm not expecting Io to carry the load. So like a lot of things have to synergize here and Pat Williams and Lonzo Ball coming back aren't going to fix everything. And I think Bulls fans should like temper their expectations a bit. So, so what because... are you expecting? You're not you're not expecting it. It seems you're not expecting anything there. So are you just completely trying to do this just for yourself so you can be surprised, or you think? This is <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, man. Like you, you, you haven't set the bar low, and you'll be surprised. But I, I think what what could happen, what could happen, and hasn't exactly happened all season yet, is exactly what you're saying is figuring out 
a system. There'd be points in time where the defensive synergy would really drive the offense. Getting early offense, that was a huge identity. And I think they can hold on to that. That I can expect to come back. I think that, however, really mastering this offense in a way that allows shooters to confidently get shot. Like, I don't want end of plays to so often get to um, Javante Green in the corner. And and I, I think plays like that is just an example of, you know, you can double Levine. You can double DeRozan. What are the other guys going to do? And late shot clock stuff, stuff like that. The identity of like what they want to do as an offense hasn't really smoothened out yet. Is that something they can figure out by the playoffs? And I think that's actually an interesting question because, you know, this doesn't just go for the Bulls. This goes for a lot of teams. I think a lot of teams right now are in flux. And this is why I think like, the Bucks, for example, and the Suns are going to be the beneficiaries of, you know, continuity. And that's going to be one of the biggest factors of who's going to be successful because anyone can play the hypotheticals of, oh, Ben Simmons, he's going to come back. And yo, if you have Kyrie, even if Kyrie's there, you know, how, how well do those teams know how to play together in moments of pressure when their, their best players are getting taken away? Because you look at the Bulls, for example, Teams now are, they know where DeRozan wants, wants to get. And it's difficult to do that, to really take away a guy like him, spots from a guy like him because he has counters. And But teams have geared up for that. So what do you do to respond? And I think that you need those testing periods of time that teams like the Nets won't have. I don't know if the Bulls have enough of that. But the Suns, they've had it. The teams like the Bucks, they've had it. I, I think if you we start to predict how successful teams are going to be in the playoffs. I think we got to look first at teams that have had the continuity to really challenge their system. And uh, I, I think maybe we'll segue like this. I think the Mavs, for example, the Mavs are a, and the Celtics, the Mavs in particular are a picture perfect version of this because I think we see a lot of their struggles earlier in the season. And then to see how they've adapted to it, and how they're being successful. They're they're the second hottest team in basketball besides the, the Suns. Why aren't they championship contenders right now? Why is Luka Doncic not an MVP caliber player in, in terms of the, the predictions right now? Because they absolutely, they figured it out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, obviously, we mentioned earlier the way that they've grown in terms of their defense in the second half of the year. I mean, they showed it in the last two games. I mean, there was definitely an element of guys slowing down, but Jason Tatum had four points in the second half against the, against the Mavs uh, on Sunday. They won that game. And then again uh, against the, the Nets on Wednesday, uh, Durant was looking unstoppable in the first quarter. Obviously, he still had a, he still had a good night and looked like he had won it for them before Dinwiddie stepped up, but he still only had 23, and if you limit Kevin Durant to 23 points without that's a win. in the floor, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a huge W. That's a huge W. And again, it, they showed the, the class they have. They they showed the ability to score, ability to come back after after some some slow periods, and that's that's what you think of when you think of good playoff teams and the way Luka Doncic is playing at the moment. I mean, the the fact that the Mavs haven't won a playoff series since they won the title. 
I actually only heard that for the first time the other day. I didn't actually realize that was a fact, and that's the craziest thing ever to not have won a series since mm-hmm. they won the title. But the fact that that's it's been that long, I think this year Doncic, he's good enough to lead a team to at least one one series win, and I think the team is much better set up to succeed in the playoffs too. What's fascinating is they're looking this good for two reasons. Well. The, the first is the obvious is, is Doncic, but the the defense. And again, I think we've mentioned this a few times, how good their defense has been effort-wise without any – I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith is an athlete, ma- amazing basketball player, very good defensively. But he's not – he's not like – he's not a stopper. You don't have an elite, elite defensive player on that team. Cleve is very good defensively. And they're playing team defense to a level that, you know, I think is sustainable – and also the other guys are just playing so well. Spencer Dinwit, like that, that game winner, I think isn't just a blip. It's representative of the trust that this team has and the other guys besides Doncic mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, when Carla was, was running this team, Luca just did whatever he wanted and there's nothing else to it. Mm-hmm. And also when, Porzingis was there there's kind of this awkward dynamic of you know you got to figure out ways to get him shots you got to find out ways to integrate him into the system that works for him and also keep Luca happy but now really this team can play as a whole it's just led by Luca and everybody else slides into their role perfectly and now you have two ball handlers next to him there's so much more spacing he can play off the spacing and those other guys can be successful cutting shooting and they have a lot of guys who does that well Jalen Brunson been fantastic this whole year and Spencer Dinwiddie is Spencer Dinwiddie right now a better basketball player than Chris House Porzingis yeah 100%. and the answer is yes <laughs> I mean, you're looking undoubtedly Dinwiddie's already like the best teammate that uh that Doncic has had it's 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 kind of it's, it's crazy to think of we'll cut the sample size here yeah it's just, yeah, just in the past it, like whatever 10 yeah, games it's kind so. of sad thing too it's, it's going to be interesting as well to see how Tim Hardaway Jr. fits into the team now when he when he comes back. I'm not sure if he's going to mm-hmm. be back this year or not, but it'll be interesting to see what way they try to try to integrate him. Whether it's going to be back to a bench role where where he excelled, you have to say the, yeah. the last year with the with Dallas, or they they are, are going to try and get him back into the starting lineup. That, that's going to be an interesting yeah. week to the system when he gets back. That that's such a good point actually because I think that he he's an elite bench score and I think when you threw him in the starting lineup and there were times where you're asking him to be a secondary creator and you're asking him to create something off the dribble and to run play it, I think he he's never had that but when you just ask him to just be a flamethrower just ask him to just chuck shots especially off the bat like that is something that he's done at a high level hmm. and that alone I think you add in pieces like that and you, you see what they've, they've been able to do with, uh, with Dinwiddie. Um, we'll see if the, the other guy, Bert's hands could get going, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for them because, you know, they've had a little bit of a, a disappointing run since they've had a historic offense a couple of years ago. And I don't think they're necessarily going to get back to that this year but they've definitely established themselves as a strong team. This isn't just Luca or die. And last year, 
I mean, how many close games have the Mavs won this year versus last year? They were losing close games left and right. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's a huge difference. And I, I think when we talk about continuity, Jason Kidd, he's got to get credit for instilling in them an ability to adapt to situations and to persevere through, you know, cold stretches. If Luca's not playing well, guys aren't, aren't just cringing and not doing anything like this team competes through the thick of any game. And that's mm-hmm. something that's going to lead them to, I, I think I, I'm, I'm not putting them at the sun's level, but they, they could go toe to toe with anybody in the West. And that's not something I would have said before December. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's it's something that the that the Celtics have done do. It's kind of a similar yeah. sort of mold. They're both teams that we were kind of looking at them and thinking uh, it's only a matter of time before their guys really kick on and they figure it out. But instead, both teams decided to change coach, and it seems like it's working well. Obviously, it's only your first year for both. Uh, Jason Kidd and Amy Yadoka, but it seems like that change is helping the players and helping the team to develop into more, more of a sustainable contender. And it's 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 credit to both teams. They they made they had to make big decisions and it's working. And it's worked for Dallas and, and it's working in a very similar way for, for the Celtics. Yeah. Yeah. The kid can't agree more. Um yeah, both these teams, both these teams that we've had low expectations in the beginning and have, have come really far now. But um, I, I think we, we wanted to, to do compare more comparison to those two players, but I, I've thought about it more. I, I hate those at times. I, the, the comparison sometimes kills me in terms of uh, who's better, Tatum, Doncic, or whatever. Um, we can definitely talk cornerstones and guys are interested in, but I think it's amazing. We look across the league and there's so many guys that have the talent level to lead their teams in unique ways. And um, can we have a positive Friday here? Do we have to, do we have to go down that road? No, we can have, we can have a positive <laughs> Friday. Come on. We, it's Friday. It's gotta be. We fun. love them both. We, gotta have fun. we love them both. Yeah. They're both, both ballers. And hopefully this year they both have long playoff runs. All I'll say is after watching that game on Sunday, I would love to see a seven-game series between the Mavericks and, and the Celtics, whether that's this year or a couple of years down the line. That is a matchup I would really love to see over seven games. It, that's not an impossibility. No, no, wouldn't be. It, it, I mean, let's, let's be real here. Cra- crazier things have certainly happened in the NBA. It's, it's so wide open right now. Like, like, like I've said, it's – well. I'm not going to be shocked if you play that game. Like, are you shocked if X happens? I, I can't see many teams that I'd be shocked if they make it out of either conference. Yeah. I mean, like, it, there's just so many question marks over teams, which is, which is kind of the interesting thing. I mean, now the Warriors have, have lost Curry. They're not sure if they're going to have him back before the start of the playoffs. Or maybe it's even going to be worse than that. People are writing them off. You look at the the Suns. You say if they don't have Chris Paul back, they're still going to struggle in the in the playoffs. Even though, but look what they've done. Yeah, even though they've been fine with Adam, you still have a lot of people, and I'd probably say myself, I still wouldn't be a strong believer in them if they didn't have have Chris Paul there come come playoff time. You think of the the Nets. What sort of lineups are they going to have? Are they actually going to be able to play with at least 
KD and, and Kyrie on the court in every game, uh, can the Heat really kick on without like a a, a superstar player they know they, they can rely on? And, and there's so many different question marks, and that's why it's been such a fun season and why the playoffs just need a freaking start already. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's scary. I think it's, it's really scary, especially for teams like the Bulls. Um, even those question marks on those teams, there's so many good teams. I mean, he, yeah, where's the superstar? But their superstar is their their team, their defense, and their hustle. And they just completely outhearted the Bulls, which is super cliche to say, but it's it's true. You know, they, they've been doing it to teams all season long. Um, I gotta say though that even with Chris Paul out, I, I'll I'll say this: I'm I'm not confident in the Warriors as much, given their their health issues. And given that they don't have a replicable system without those players there. But when you got Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson running pick and rolls and that team looking just as good, DeAndre Ayton picking up more of, of the slack offensively and Booker playing a great facilitator role, like not, not Chris Paul level, but everyone really filling the gaps, campaign looking good. Too. Like that team is great on its own. And I think their identity is what's going to bring them far. I, I think they're fine. If they're, they're okay in a seven game series, they're, they're going to be okay. If Chris Paul has a couple off nights, it's not, it's not going to be the end of the world. They can still win. Chris Paul has a couple off nights. If Steph Curry has an off night. Warriors ain't winning. Mm-hmm. Point blank period. Yeah. If, right. if, DeMo- if Jimmy Butler has a terrible night, they, they can still win a game. They still win a game. The Bucks, if 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 Embiid if if Embiid has an off night, are they going to win? If Giannis has an off night, are they going to win? Durant, I think the Suns are one of a few teams. I I can think of like the Grizzlies. I can think of the Heat. I can think of I I don't know who else I put in that category, but but they're they're teams that can piece together wins without their stars playing to a start level mm-hmm. consistently. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. I think you you, you got to put the Cavs in that level. Not that I think in the Cavs are, are up at uh, that sort of level, but they're... they're they will be. Sort of, I think they, they, they they're will be. They're, they're a couple of pieces short. There. Yeah, they're a couple of stars now, but they're, they're, it's a similar sort of style. They always give they always give the, the kind of teams that are more fancy good games, and it's different guys that produce... Uh, produce night night on night it's they're 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 kind of that fun team now that kind of looking forward to seeing what they're what they end up like in a playoff series just getting that experience is going to be huge for them but i think we can probably agree the suns and the books are still the two teams to be in in both conferences i think everyone needs to be clear on that there's certain times this season where they've just shown obviously the suns having the best record milwaukee has been has had some inconsistencies, but I still think they're they're they are the team to be in it when it comes to the Eastern Conference and and getting out of that and getting to the finals. Yeah, Ronnie, got anything for us uh, going into the weekend? Oh man, I think uh, another fun game tonight. Bit of Luca, Luca against uh, Luca and the Mavs against Philly. And uh, Bead could go off without a proper big man being able to defend him. I mean, he'd be going up against Powell and Kleber. They'll they'll give they'll give everything they have, but I think uh, there's definitely potential for MB to go off just as much as uh, there is for the, the the Mavericks to take advantage of uh, of the poor Philadelphia defense. 
Man, when did they get rid of Boban? Yeah, I, I, I completely forgot. Is is he there? Yeah, he's there. Is he still there? Yeah. I haven't heard a peep out of him. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna get some minutes. I mean, he that that's why you have Boban out there because you you face Jokic, you face an Embiid, and you usually like you need ten minutes out of Boban just to just wall off the paint. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's what they're gonna have to they're gonna have to try because it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough haul for the other guys to try and slow down a guy like Joel Embiid, but. As we've seen basically since since that Nets game, I mean, this uh, this Philadelphia defense can can be got at easily. They've in in their last two games against Denver, they had massive leads that they blew. Obviously, they they tried to do it again against Cleveland, but ultimately their their two guys, Harden, uh, Maxi, and the and the B got got them out of it. But they 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 are very susceptible on defense. They can be they can they can give up a lot of points and. That's something that, that that might hit them hard when we get to the playoffs because you can't just go out and say, "Oh, we're just going to score more points than you." You got to be able to have a really solid defense if you're going to really succeed in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what uh, let's see what Thibault does. He, he's going to need to really step up against Doncic. That's going to be a tough matchup, but mm-hmm. I think he's he's got the perfect skill set for it. If anyone's going to slow him down, but I got. You know, I'm gonna go Celtics, 76ers, Nuggets, Suns tonight. That's my, that's my parlay. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Betting against my own Bulls. <laughs> Who Boston got? It is um, Celtics and Heat tonight. Ooh, interesting. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that uh, yeah, that's gonna be good, good games to watch and. Uh, I guess who who's scoring the fifty point tonight? That's a, that's a, that's what we need to know. You know. At this point, it's going to be, uh, I don't even know. It's going to be uh, Bones Highland. Bones <laughs> Highland is going to go for 50. He had, he had, a, he had a nice game. Dude, he had a nice game against Philly. the 76ers. Yeah. He, he feels like a, people are saying he's like a Tyrese Maxey type of guy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to get I like that comparison. Con. The same, same sort of build and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. He's, he's got, he's got talent. That Nuggets just always know how to find guys like that. Always know how to, how to you got your Monte Morris's, you know, and you got somebody named Jokic. They just their their scouting is unbelievable. The way they're just able to pick guys up like that. So the small the smaller the smaller uh, franchise has got to do, and it's great great to see it them doing it, and great to see it working. Yeah, well, my picks are in. There, there's nothing on the line, but at this point, as long as you're betting against the Bulls right now, you're probably winning. But everybody, thank you for uh, joining us on this ride. We'll see you again next week, and we're just another week closer to the playoffs and uh, getting closer to uh, some interesting March Madness games. I, I got to get into uh, some of these games, see some of these young guys. Chet Holmgren, got to watch him. Bancaro, a lot of these uh, blue chip guys going to be showing up in the games of the weekend. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Maybe we'll start talking some uh, some draft talk as that gets interesting. And it'll be interesting for uh, your next two running. It, maybe it's time. Time to bust out the tank thought. I don't think you've been looking at it enough. It might make you feel a little better. I don't know if anyone, anything can, but yeah, maybe. At any rate, it's always good talking about what you're running. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. 
Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.